This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now we're 18 months into the war between Russia and Ukraine. It's the invasion of Ukraine by Putin and what is now known as the Russian Federation. It was expected to be quick and easy for the Russians, but it's been anything but. And Ukraine has won the admiration and the support of the world for its determination not to yield to its powerful neighbour. One of the people who has done most to inform us on the stand about this conflict is Johnny O'Reilly. Johnny is a filmmaker and journalist. He's Irish. He's lived in Ukraine for a long time and also lived in Russia. He has been around in cities like Kherson filming and reporting on this war and it's a pleasure to welcome him to the stand. Johnny, it's good to hear from you and we're very grateful to you for joining us. You're in Kiev at the moment. The first thing perhaps I should say to you is that much was expected of Ukraine's spring offensive, as it was then known. It took a long time for the spring. It was early summer before this began. And the results have been less than expected. Is that fair to say from Ukraine's point of view? Yeah, that is fair to say. Um People built high expectations for this because uh, in the previous 12 months, uh, Ukraine had fought Russia to a standstill any time that Russia attempted a counteroffensive. And in both Kharkiv and Kherson, Ukraine um, routed Russia and, and in Kiev previously. So the expectation was that a, a NATO-trained version of that army yes. with superior weaponry would actually uh, be able to push the Russians back more significantly than they've done so far. But the, the time that it took to train up and provide that weaponry also gave Russia enough time to build very significant defences. Yes. Uh, and... Uh, Apparently, these defences are considered to be sound in terms of military doctrine, uh, which is not something that Russia had shown in their previous military efforts, in, 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 in their offensive efforts. So 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is generally in war, Johnny, it's easier to defend than it is to attack. And the Russians used the winter well to lay minefields, to dig trenches, and to make it difficult for Ukraine when it did go on the attack. That's exactly true. And w one of the big factors are those minefields. So Russia has now mined Ukraine such that it is the most heavily mined country in the world. And if you can imagine, if you've got a, a very open, flat plain to cross, and you can only cross it at a very slow pace, at yes. the pace at which your sappers can actually demine the territory, you're opening yourself to uh, great vulnerability to uh, incoming artillery fire. So that's why it's been so slow. Now, the other thing just to say, in, 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 to counter that in a sense, is that the Ukrainians are making more progress in this counteroffensive than the Russians did in their winter-spring counteroffensive. Yes. And in the last month, they've probably secured about twice as much ground as they did in the previous two months. So at least the trajectory is... Uh, in Ukraine's favor. However, the, the, the progress is, is too slow for the political momentum to be built up behind uh, Ukraine. And that's where the danger lies for Ukraine is that, you know, in six, eight months' time, if it still feels like this is a, an attritional war without any uh, potential for for one side or the other to to win then the political pressure will come on uh ukraine to seek a negotiated settlement yes and i note that the russians have seized in those 18 months enough ukraine territory that it equals the land mass of portugal so there are vast tracts in in the east eastern ukraine in particular that the russians hold and there is also, and has been this week, talks from NATO, although denied by NATO's General Secretary Jens Stoltenberg, one of his senior officials had suggested that it was time for Ukraine to maybe negotiate with Russia on the basis of negotiations in return for land. And that is perhaps a reflection of the view that's widely held in Europe, and it was articulated by Nicolas Sarkozy, former French president, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with negotiations. They always have to take place, which Sarkozy's argument is, without compromise, nothing will be possible, and we run the risk the situation will degenerate at any moment. This powder keg, as he calls it, could have frightful consequences. Now, Sarkozy is, in political terms in France, yesterday's man, but he still is a significant voice. He is a, a significant voice within France, but um, is seen as someone who, uh, uh, like Gerhard Schroeder, a bit too yes. close to, to Russia, to be a, a very strong neutral voice uh, geopolitically. He was uh, the person who negotiated the end of the Russian invasion of, Tbilisi, of uh, Georgia, which uh, many felt was negotiated without any punitive measures 
for Russia in that regard. So um, he, he his, you know, he's just a, another voice to add to, uh, you know, I guess you could say the the rising murmur of voices that are pushing uh, for a, a, a quick yes. end to this war. And that's uh, helpful for Putin because what Putin wants is a disunified West. Um, and certainly the, in that part of the game, things are not going as well for Ukraine as, say, they were you know, a month or two ago. But on the other side, in terms of the economic sanctions, you can see that the sanctions are starting to take hold in Russia. Yes. And that the fiscal situation, the macroeconomic situation is getting worse for Russia. They're now at uh, one, uh, 100 rubles to the dollar, and they've had to bring in capital controls to manage that. So the expectation is that over the next six months, things will get worse economically for Russia. So that will filter through to the military bat- the battlefield as well. So just the game is getting more complicated, um, but not necessarily uh, all in one category uh, yes. going as badly for, for, for Ukraine. Now, the idea that this could become a long war is spreading. And I'm sure, Johnny, in Kiev, where you are, and in Ukraine in general, and indeed in Moscow, where Putin is holed up with his generals, the American election, which is in 15 months' time, is very much in in the thoughts of people because if Donald Trump were to win it and it looks like he will be the Republican nominee for president and will run against Joe Biden, a Trump victory would have catastrophic consequences, would it not? It, it would, definitely. Trump has uh, avowedly declared that he will end this war within one day. Yes. Um, but we know that Trump has... Uh, very strong affinity and perhaps uh, other hidden connections with uh, Putin and Putin's regime. So certainly the expectation is that Trump uh, will try to end the war in Russia's favor um, in in order to align himself with uh, Putin, with whom he shares a similar worldview, uh, an authoritarian worldview and that would be terrible for uh, Ukraine and for the world, at least. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now tell us about the morale of the people in Ukraine. Ever since you've been talking to us, and we're very grateful for all We've learned, listening to you over the last 18 months, Johnny, has the mood of people in Kiev, for example, changed? No, it hasn't. Um, and despite the fact that the progress is not as vast or as wide as one would have hoped, it's still there. It's perceptible. So yes. in Kherson, for example, they've created a bridgehead across the the east side of the river, which they had not done before. In Zaporizhia, they're getting closer to Tokmak, which is an important strategic video, uh, town. In uh, Around Bakhmut, they are making small progress. So whenever there's just you know a small bit of progress, you're not going to have uh, a consequent effect on morale falling. So morale has always been high and remains that way. The economy is doing, well, the local economy is doing fine because of the war effort and the amount of economic activity that is supporting the war. So people have jobs. There is uh, economic activity. There's traffic jams. So, yes. you know, the, the, the people are not uh, in despair in the way they were in the first weeks of the war or uh, last November, December, where Russia did look like they might be able to disable the electrical system and perhaps other utilities. So the morale is, is still high here. People are not fully aware of the, the geopolitical patterns with regards to uh, the, the, the questions of continued military support from America. But certainly on the ground, um, soldiers are feeling the progress. You know, I, I was speaking to a guy in the Zaporizhia region who is fighting uh, with a, uh, a group of leopard tanks, and uh, he, he he's very happy with the progress that they've been making. So they are um, improving their progress this month compared to previous months, but still it's not as uh, as fast as everyone would hope. Now, there is another issue as well, and that's Ukraine's crops, you know, the wheat that they need to send. Russia also a great producer of wheat, and there have been increased attacks on Odessa, which is one of the key ports, isn't it? Yeah, this is a quite an important issue because economically, U Ukraine relies on now a combination of 
uh, agriculture sales and uh, international aid. Yes. So it looks like this year they're going to have about 50% of the international sales of, of wheat and crops compared to pre- last year, which means that they're going to need uh, more aid this year just to keep things going in the same manner as things were last year. So that is going to have an economic impact. Um, but one would hope the uh, the IMF, the OECD and other uh, supporters w- w- will, will help build, bridge that gap if needs be. Are the people of Ukraine psychologically prepared, if you like, for what's been called a long war? It's 18 months now. Somebody suggested this week in Europe that this could last for four years and possibly longer. We're a long way from where we were at the beginning of this, Johnny, when Putin thought he'd take Kiev in three days and it would all be over. The prospect of a long war, I mean, even in your own mind, what does that conjure up? Well, I think people will adapt to any situation. I mean... And I think uh, what will happen if the war does get prolonged uh, is that normality will return to some extent. And one thing I've noticed this summer compared to last summer is that there's a lot more uh, events on. For example, uh, for young people, there are sporting and entertainment events. Uh, International uh, performers are returning to perform here. Uh, the curfew is at midnight, while last year it was, it was at 10 o'clock. So what will happen if the war does get prolonged is, uh, luckily with the help of uh, the anti-aircraft system, big cities will be protected more, and um, the, the, the war will be isolated to the front line where, uh, where all the action is. Um, so I think people will adapt to it. And psychologically, they will too. And I don't hear much despair about uh, the prospect of, of a prolonged war. There, 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 there will be a lot more despair about the prospect of having to give up uh, some of their sovereign their yes. sovereign goals. Yes, and I mean one suggestion being made is that they should sue for peace, and they should be. And this was floated this week by NATO or one NATO official, that they should sue for peace and join NATO. The two things would go hand in hand. Now, clearly, if Ukraine becomes a member of NATO, the threat to a paranoid Putin would be very grave indeed. But I take it there's no thought of doing such a sort of deal where Ukraine joins NATO and there's peace talks with a criminal regime which invaded Ukraine. I I think that's the kind of end game that could possibly happen if uh, Trump gets into power or if um, Ukraine lose the war uh, or at least fail to win the war. But there's, there's a hidden goal here that isn't talked about as much because it's, it's, it's really about uh, bursting an illusion. And the illusion is the uh, strength of Putin's power. Yes. You know, I believe that uh, Prigozhin's recent mutiny showed that uh, there is no real 
ground support, either within the military or amongst uh, ordinary Russians, for this war or for Putin uh, himself. And I think the brutal nature of his regime was exposed in that moment. Yes. And I think that the, 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 the aim both of the Western uh, alliance as well as the Ukrainians is to uh, destroy Putin's regime, you know, to somehow uh, ex- to execrate from a battle, a significant act, a battlefield victory, enough political capital to uh, crumble Putin's support internally. And when Putin goes, the, there's a good chance that the, the system w- will go with him, in which case there could be a collapse of the army on the front. So that's really what a, 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 a hidden aim and hope is. I couldn't say it's an expectation because you can't really plan for that. But certainly the, uh, are, the Ukrainians will be arguing that they should be continued to, to be supported because that is a distinct possibility as was shown, uh, what, six weeks ago. Yes, and there is evidence, abundant evidence, that Putin's position is under pressure. Some of his generals, one called Popov, has been dismissed because he he criticized Russia's preparedness for the war, and Prigozhin is a threat, as you point out. He got within 200 kilometers of Moscow before he stopped. The trouble with Prigozhin, I'm sure you'll agree, Johnny, is that he's an even bigger savage than Putin. He's an even bigger savage, but I don't think he's a bigger threat because someone yes. like Prigozhin does not have the legitimacy of uh, Putin yes. and we, we will not have any mandate to rule the country. Uh, either will anyone who Putin tries to uh, put in place in his place. Um, I think after Putin, the most likely uh, out most likely outcome will be chaos. Yeah, I mean, you you lived in Moscow. You're familiar with that area and the people there. So you'd have a very informed, a relatively informed view of things. Absolutely. Like what, what, what's hap- what happened in the when the war? Not so much when the war started, but when the war, when Russia's war effort started to falter last summer, and they started a mobilization drive. Pretty much every governor of the Russia's, I think, twelve regions, um, and also the CEOs of some of its largest companies, started up their own private armies. Um, right. uh, under the gu- under the guise of encouraging people to actually join the war effort, but many of these uh, uh, soldiers who they took were actually under their own payroll. So a lot of these smaller armies are now very going to be very useful for these uh, governors and uh, large corporations if, in the event, there is a uh, an end to Putin's power and a power grab by various different uh, individuals and groups within the country. Um, So I think people are already starting to plan for that possibility. The devastation that was caused by the artillery attacks on Ukraine earlier, an earlier point in the war, and some of the cities and towns seem to be rendered uninhabitable ever again. 
I mean, how does that affect people psychologically? Because would it be fair to say there are parts of Ukraine that the Russians targeted that may never be habitable again, or at least for a very long time? Yeah, I mean, the devastation has been complete in very many uh, parts of the country, but particularly in the east. Um, And obviously, there's a big difference between the psychological impact of that on people from those towns who have had to become refugees compared to people who've become refugees because there's no jobs and there's no opportunities. So the scale of that destruction is, um, is, is, is huge. But at the same time, it's still a minority of the population of the country. Uh, most people here uh, still have their homes they still have some uh, way of making a living, yes, um, and they're they're managing uh, better than what you would expect given the circumstances. But certainly, uh, there will be a huge reparations uh, to be paid by Russia, and most analysts believe that sooner or later Russia will have to pay that uh, in order to be uh, rehabilitated into the international, you know, yes. trade markets. Um, Russia does have over $300 billion uh, in uh, overseas resources that have been frozen by the the US and the EU. So one would imagine that that will be part of a reparations uh, agreement at some point in the future. Yeah, and I'm sure that the US election, Johnny, is critical to all of this, and I'm sure that the people in Ukraine are watching very carefully, even as Trump is indicted for criminal offences. Every time he's indicted for a criminal offence, his poll numbers go up, Johnny. How troubling is that? How worrying is that for Ukraine? It's Well, it's very worrying. I mean, it's look, it's very worrying for the whole world. I mean, yes, everyone it, knows that. Absolutely. Next year is going to be another crazy year of Donald Trump, regardless of whether he wins or not. Um, And to have all of those uh, indictments and to have him, you know, going up against Biden, whose performance may be questionable this time next year. So, yes, it is. It is being questioned and he looks rather frail. And at the moment, we have our man in the United States, Johnny, and he tells us, despite Trump's problems in a runoff with Biden, the polls are showing at the moment it's absolutely neck and neck. There's nothing in it. Yeah, so that is obviously a big worry for uh, for the whole world, but in particular yes. for Ukraine, because Putin will want to do uh, what he did with with North Korea and, you know, in, in a very uh, open way, insert himself into this and try and do a deal with Putin. And it's in Putin's and Trump's interests personally yes. to agree a deal, uh, even if it's at the expense of Ukraine. So certainly w- one could see things changing and perhaps unraveling very quickly here if Putin or if Trump does get into power. But that's that's it's still a long time before that can happen. It's it's almost a year and a half away. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, and uh, there's a lot to to be played out before then. Um, And the the other the other interesting argument is 
uh, amongst some Republicans and many Democrats was that uh, the reason Ukraine's current counteroffensive not doing well enough is because the weaponry that was provided to them was not enough and was delivered too slowly. Yes. So that's another argument that Biden will, will will listen to, and he has shown to take risks in the past, Biden. So perhaps we can see um, an uptick of, of of weaponry being provided to the Ukrainians. Certainly, we, we do expect the provision of F sixteens to, to to start appearing in the battlefield towards the end of the year. Yes, and I just can say that there is a report that the U.S. have agreed that Denmark can send F-16s to Ukraine. Of course, the trouble or part of the process there is training up the pilots to fly these aircraft. And also, I think there is a, a, a worry or there is a problem if these weapons are actually used in Russian territory. Yeah, the, the the original reticence for provision of the FCCs, as well as many of the other weaponry, was not to provoke Russia yes. into a, a wider war. But I don't think that uh, argument has been won. It's perhaps slowed the process down a bit, but it was always inevitable, wasn't it, that F-16 yes. would be provided. So it's the last piece uh, in the puzzle, if you like, in terms of giving Ukraine uh, all the NATO standard weaponry it needs. Um, so they will arrive in the winter. So next year, uh, which is now looking you know, like a likely possibility, Ukraine will be repeating the process of this year, uh, another counteroffensive, but this time with a better equipped, uh, better trained army. And the expectation is that they'll be able to uh, bring to bear the kind of um, um, multi-layered attack that NATO has been trained on that requires uh, proper air cover from F-16s. Okay, Johnny, it's great to talk to you and we're very grateful to you for talking to us. Take care of yourself and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. That's Johnny O'Reilly, an Irishman, journalist and filmmaker, and he has been an immense help in our listeners understanding the mood of the people in Ukraine and indeed the state of play in the, in this conflict. We're grateful to Johnny, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.